You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a quick tip about why we say we're cooling our heels. And then we'll talk about the story of the word zhuzh, as in I'm zhuzhing up my Zoom background. Before we get started, though, thanks to Erica Linda, JLR2005, and Dr. Pell for leaving Grammar Girl reviews last week on Podchaser. And I found that the thing that keeps me going right now is thinking about all of you, the listeners. So if you'd like to show me where you listen, I'm doing the thing I did a few years ago again. Post a picture of yourself on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag where I listen, and I'll repost it for other people to see too. I'd love to see where you listen right now or what you do while you listen. Thanks. Last week, I was standing around impatiently waiting for my morning coffee to drip through its filter, and I must have looked annoyed because my husband asked what I was doing, and I said, I'm just cooling my heels waiting for this coffee. And then we both started wondering where that phrase came from. What does it mean to cool your heels? We thought there'd probably be some weird or fascinating story, but it turns out it's actually about literally cooling your feet. When you walk for a long time, your feet get hot, and when you stop to rest, your feet cool down. The Oxford English Dictionary puts the first use in the year 1576, and at that time, it could also refer to horses. You could cool your heels, cool your feet, or your horse could cool its hooves. For example, here's a line from a 1611 translation of the Iliad. The soldiers all sat down and ranked, each by his arms and horse, that then lay down and cooled their hoofs. Today, it means to wait around, especially if someone is making you wait, or the waiting is annoying for some reason. For example, if you're stuck for hours in a doctor's waiting room, you could be said to be cooling your heels. So it probably didn't take my coffee long enough to drip through the filter that it justified me calling it cooling my heels. It should really be some kind of significant or disturbing wait, like when I gave my thesis defense and then had to wait for what seemed like forever for the committee to deliberate and decide that I'd passed. There's also a newer phrase, cool your jets, that arose in the United States in the 1970s. It has a different meaning. If someone tells you to cool your jets, they're telling you to calm down or get less excited, and often it means they think you're overreacting. I'd take it as kind of dismissive or as a put-down if someone told me to cool my jets. It's also often used in an extremely informal or slangy way. Here's a funny example from a book that seems to take a lighthearted approach to advice for salespeople. 
Keep your mouth closed during any legal wrangling. We all know you are blessed and wonderful, but you ain't a lawyer, bucko, so cool your jets. (laughs) A lot of examples in the corpus of contemporary American English also have that feel to them. Cool your jets, kid. Cool your jets, hotshot. Cool your jets, dude. And so on. I couldn't find anything to confirm the origin of cool your jets, but I suspect it was a reference to jets on airplanes, which are loud and hard to ignore. The 1970s were a time when more people than ever were flying, but flying was also still exciting and new. So, cool your jets is a bit more metaphorical. We aren't telling people to cool their literal jets. But cool your heels really was about feet. Sometimes phrases have weird origins, but sometimes they come from just what they mean. And in this case, it all started with letting your feet cool. This next segment is by Neil Whitman. I was thinking about the consonant sound shush recently. You know, it's the sound that begins the final syllable in words such as vision, fusion, and measure. We also have it in words such as usual or casual. But English doesn't like using this sound at the ends of words. I can think of a few like garage, mirage, and prestige. And then we start getting into words that are used less frequently, such as beige, that tannish color, rouge, that kind of reddish makeup for your cheeks, luge, the winter Olympic sport, and loge, a special section of seats in a theater. There may be a few more, but they're hard to bring to mind. And even the fairly familiar ones like garage sometimes end up with a more familiar J sound at the end. In the U.S. Midwest, for example, garage is sometimes pronounced more like garage. As for the j at the beginning of words, you might as well forget about it. There are some French names, such as Jacques and Jean, which Star Trek fans will recognize from the name Jean-Luc Picard, and which fans of Les Miserables recognize in the name Jean Valjean. Then there's the Russian name Zhivago, which I've only ever heard in the book and movie title Dr. Zhivago. So I was surprised to learn about an English word that has the sound zh not once, but twice, at the beginning and the end. The word is zhuzh, and the first place I heard it was in an episode of the podcast Away With Words. A caller had been confused when his girlfriend saw him adjusting his hair and said he was zhuzhing it. The hosts Grant Barrett and Martha Barnett told him that this word goes back to the 1960s and that it, quote, seems to have arisen from the secret lingo popular in parts of the gay community in the United Kingdom, unquote, at that time. They also mentioned a possible origin in the Romany word zhaozho, which means to tidy something up. The Oxford English Dictionary gives a similar definition with an earliest citation from 1977. It's also in the Cambridge Dictionary defined as, quote, to make something more interesting or attractive by changing it slightly or adding something to it. There's also a blog post about it on merriamwebster.com, which notes that zhuzh is not only a verb, but also a noun. Here's an example they collected from 2017 with zhuzh as a verb. Fellow celebrity hairstylist Chad Wood recently mentioned he loves to use pomade to zhuzh up second-day curls. And now here's one with zhuzh used as a noun, also from 2017. 
Summer is the season of laid-back hairstyles that need nothing more than a spritz of salt spray and maybe a quick zhuzh before heading out the door. The Merriam-Webster Post brings up an interesting point about this word. It says that zhuzh didn't initially see a lot of print use, possibly because editors didn't know how to spell it. In fact, if you're listening to the podcast of this episode rather than reading it, you might be wondering yourself how to spell it. I've been spelling it Z-H-U-Z-H, but Merriam-Webster notes that it's also been spelled Z-H-O-O-S-H, and that's how it's spelled in the OED, which also lists alternative spellings Z-H-U-S-H, J-O-O-Z-H, and Z-H-O-O-Z-H. Grant and Martha also mention the spelling J-O-O-S-H, and the Cambridge Dictionary has still another spelling, Z-H-O-O-S. They don't list it in their definitions, but it's spelled that way in one of the citations they provide. This no-cook, no-fuss side dish is served with flatbread, and cream cheese is zooshed up with orange zest and mustard. That's seven spellings, in case you lost count. You know how when you learn a new word, all of a sudden it seems like you hear it everywhere? Not even a week after hearing that episode of Away With Words, I came across a tweet from a man named Dave Heal complaining about people making demands on your time at the workplace. He mentioned zhuzhing up your colleague's slide deck, and his very first reply came from someone with the handle Travel Snack, who said, so that's how you spell it, hashtag mystery solved. A Twitter user by the name of Crawford replied to that reply, tweeting that they, quote, spent an entire meeting mistaking zhuzhing for judging and needed a good 20 minutes to sort through all the incorrect conclusions that created. Yet another reply came from Kristen Dolan, who said, OMG, this is how you spell it? Also immediately realized I've never tried to write that word. I suspect that this spelling confusion is part of the reason that people's first reaction to zhuzh is sometimes to doubt that it's even a word. Elijah, the caller to Away With Words, is not the only one. For example, there's the person who contributed a kind of mean definition of zhuzh to UrbanDictionary.com. It was accurate in that it had means to ruffle a shirt or outfit as part of the definition, but the rest of the entry was a personal attack on the person that the definition writer learned the word from. She says that zhuzh is a word that this person totally made up, that the definition makes no sense and doesn't need its own word, and that this person needs to use real words like a normal person. Wow, why such hate? Why don't words like kerfuffle or discombobulate get this kind of scorn? Well, I think it's because those words sound English. Even if you've never heard them before, if you can read English, you can probably spell them confidently and come pretty close to the accepted spelling. By contrast, zhuzh is composed entirely of two sounds that are both tricky to spell. First of all, take the vowel. You can spell it with a U, but readers won't know if they should read it as a short U, as in mush, a long U, as in sushi, or that in-between U sound that we don't really have a good name for, as in push. Alternatively, you could spell it with O-O, but you run into the same problem. Readers won't know if they should read it as the O-O in blood, the O-O in mood, or the O-O in good. As for the consonant, there are even more possibilities. 
In words like version and Asia, it's spelled S-I. In words like measure and casual, it's spelled with S-U. In the word Azure, it's spelled with a Z. In words like garage and prestige, it's spelled G-E. In those French names like Jacques, it's spelled with a J. And then, of course, there's the Z-H spelling we see in Russian names, such as Brezhnev. That makes seven ways of representing the zhu sound so far. Then we have a couple of spellings in words that don't even seem like they should have this sound. First, there's equation. That T-I-O-N suffix is usually pronounced with an S-H sound, but for some reason it's usually pronounced with a zhu sound in this one word, equation. Second, there's fission. Personally, I pronounce this with an S-H sound, fission, but most of the people I hear pronouncing it say it with the zhu sound, fission. I'm guessing this is because the word is often used in the same context as the word fusion, and the two pronunciations are creeping closer together. And there's a precedent for this. It's how the words four and five both ended up with an F sound at the beginning, even though in the original Proto-Indo-European ancestor language, the word for five began with a K sound. The two words are often heard very near each other, and they have similar meanings. The sounds started to follow suit. The same thing happened with our words male and female, which originally didn't rhyme. Regardless of the reason, that brings us to nine spellings of the consonant sound in zhuzh. By my count, that's the most ways of spelling any of the English consonant sounds. Why on earth is there so much variety here for a sound that's so rare in our language? The short answer is that the zh sound was a late arrival to English, so there was never a letter in the alphabet that got assigned to it. When a modern English word contains this sound, it's almost always a recent borrowing from another language, or the result of a process called palatalization. In fact, the same goes for many of our other words that contain the sh sound. Take our ssion suffix, as in mission, which we borrowed from Latin via French. In Latin, this suffix was pronounced as it was spelled. But over time, the sequence of S-I plus another vowel coalesced into a single syllable, ja. Then that sequence further developed into sha. This same process has happened in languages around the world, and it's even still happening in English. It's how we ended up with an S-H sound at the beginning of sugar and in the middle of issue. If someone tells you, I miss you, and it sounds like, I'm issue, that was palatalization going on as the speaker ran the miss and the you together. In a similar way, a word like vision used to be pronounced more like vision with three syllables. Then it became two syllables, vision, and then finally the sequence je merged into gen. The same for words like azure, leisure, and casual. Since these instances of je arose from sequences of z plus an i and another vowel, that means that this sound always occurred in the middle of a word. All our examples of je at the end of a word were borrowings from French, and all our examples of it at the end of a word were borrowings from French or Russian.
That, in turn, means that when we hear a je at the end of a word, we kind of expect it to be French, and probably spelled with a G-E, as in beige or rouge. When this isn't the case, it's hard to know what to do. For example, when we shorten words that have je in the middle and it ends up at the end, confusion ensues. Stan Carey tweeted in 2015, quote, Lots of variation and uncertainty over the spelling of abbreviated casual, pronounced cash, C-A-Z-H, C-A-J, C-A-S, C-A-S-J, C-A-S-Z, etc. That gives us even two more ways to spell that je sound, S-J and S-Z. Juge presents the same kind of problem because it doesn't sound like a French word. That vowel just doesn't fit a pattern. It's not a long A sound like in beige. It's not a long E sound like in prestige. It's not a long U sound like in rouge. Instead, it's this weird vowel in the U family that French doesn't have. So we can't look to borrowed French words for a hint on how to spell the end of this word. One of Carrie's followers even made the juge connection when she tweeted a reply. Melissa Harris wrote, quote, I saw on the back of a shampoo bottle the word J-U-J-J, as in juge up your hair. Obviously insane, but not sure how I'd do it, unquote. J-U-J-J. Now we're looking at eight ways of spelling this one-syllable word. We also don't expect to hear juge at the beginning of a word at all, unless it's some foreign name. But juge is used as a verb or a common noun, so it's not obvious that we should spell it with a J, as in Jean or Jacques. However, that seems to have been where people writing the ad copy on the back of the shampoo bottle came down. All of this just goes to show how useful the international phonetic alphabet can be. Using the IPA, there's only one way to spell this word. Ej, horseshoe, ej. Ej is a symbol that looks a bit like the flat-topped numeral three, and horseshoe is a U-like shape that looks like a horseshoe with the open end up. That's all. It's been a pleasure presenting this homage to an unusual English sound. That segment was written by Neil Whitman, an independent writer and consultant specializing in language and grammar and a member of the Reynoldsburg School Board. You can find him at literalminded.wordpress.com. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at the home of my network, quickanddirtytips.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl, and on Instagram as The Grammar Girl. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems, and that's all. Thanks for listening. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. 
Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.